Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi folks, it's Tino here and delighted to be joined here on the Celtic Exchange by Anthony Joseph of Sky Sports News. Regular listeners will know that Anthony's been a, a good friend to the show and very often jumps on after Celtic's transfer windows, whether that's in the summer or in January. This time around we've done it a wee bit different and Anthony's jumping on just now ahead of the January window, hopefully give us some, some good news or some speculation or just something, anything Anthony just to get excited about uh, to hold on to, but we'll get there uh, as we get through the recording. In the meantime though, welcome back to the Celtic Exchange, how's things at your side? Yeah, thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. Um, I will try my best to give some <laughs> give some good news and uh, opinions on this uh, season so far as well. But yeah, all good thanks. Just very much looking forward to Christmas and New Year before the start of what's going to be potentially quite a busy January transfer window. Yeah, well, here's hoping from a Celtic point of view. And if there's no real rumours, Anthony, feel free just to, to make something up and we can, <laughs> we can take it from there. Just generally, though, before... Morelos? Morelos a free agent still? I've seen and heard that. I would not entertain that one, but, but some might, that's up to them. Um, just generally speaking, though, before we do get into it, I'd be keen to hear your thoughts just in general on Celtic stuff at the moment. So, obviously, bit of a bump in the road. There's no getting away from that. A couple of losses back-to-back uh, -back in the league. Green Brigade back in tomorrow. We're recording here on Friday, albeit this show goes live on Sunday, Christmas Eve. Green Brigade back in should, you know, raise the levels at Celtic Park, should give the players a boost, but we're in a wee bit of a, a sticky spell at the moment. They are, and like, I mean, I, I still feel like the signs were there, perhaps, but it's been quite underwhelming. I think there was this sort of wave of... Um, hope and optimism um, around Brendan Rodgers coming back. I know some fans weren't on board, but I think even though people weren't happy that he was he was back, I think they acknowledged that he was a good coach, one of, uh, one of the top uh, one of the top coaches in world football. But it's just been underwhelming. I think the summer transfer window was underwhelming. I think the football on display has been underwhelming. The sort of mentality hasn't really been there. And it, they look a real shadow of their former selves. And I, I remember saying this just like at the end of September, the um, same thing, that they look a shadow of their former selves, thinking it would perhaps improve. Um, and then the Champions League campaign has been really disappointing. I think, yes, they picked up four points. Um which is similar to like Man United and and others, but that's it was four points from a from a meaning three of those points were in a meaningless game, so it's yeah it's just been underwhelming and quite disappointing. But I think the signs were there due to the the way the tr summer transfer window went. Yeah, which leads us nicely into that. Um, you and I spoke just after the summer transfer window, Anthony, and. You quite rightly pointed out, now listen, we had limited information on the various players, some came with good pedigree, some were 
very much the unknown, guys like Quan, for example. Um, but there's no doubt Celtic spent money uh, in the window, the best part of 20-odd million. So far for me you know, to defend the board at this moment in time. What I would say is they did spend the money, but it's certainly debatable if they spent it effectively or not. Yeah, and whether it was effectively for this season, there's, I mean, there's a lot of these players are still, the jury's out on them. And many of them, I think it's unfair to say that they're a failure. Um, they, a lot of the players were project signings. So they're hoping to be for signings for the future, I guess, aren't they? They're not necessarily this season, not even necessarily next season. These are meant to be signings that should be, um, helping Celtic progress in the years to come. But is the best use of their time at Celtic at the moment playing in the Lowland League is the best use of their time um, going out uh, on loan. Perhaps that is a better option. Should they be going out on loan to Scottish Premiership clubs um, to see actually how they would cope with the league first? Um, That kind of strategy I don't feel has been effective for these project signings yet. And there were just not enough ready-made first-team signings. That's, I think, evident now. And that's becoming a real issue for Celtic. Palma, Lewis Palma, I think, is the only one who's come in and looks the real deal. And he looks a real player as well, actually. Um, I I wouldn't really say Celtic have missed Jota too much. They probably missed having a Jota Jota and a Bada um, on both sides. But I think if Palmer's there and they can get a Bada back and Maida back as well, that they'll be okay. Um, I think the the void of Jota has probably has probably been filled actually. But in terms of other players like Starfelt, Jury's still out on the uh, Navrotsky and Lagabielka as well. Lagabielka's future in doubt as well. Yeah. Um, there's been many injuries as well, so they have been hampered by injuries. So that that sort of did change the strategy towards the end of the transfer window. So the players that they probably didn't get that they were seen as priority signings in the summer window were a goalkeeper, a left-back, and a striker. So they ended up getting looking for an emergency centre-back, didn't they, for the last week of the window. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they got Palma in to fill that. They were looking for a left-winger. They got Palma in to fill that void. So... I, I do see there's I do see the argument that they've had a lot of injuries. The transfer strategy changed for the last week of the window, and you're not going to bring you don't just bring in players for the sake of it as well. Unless they're the the players that you want and are available, you don't just sign someone because they're a goalkeeper. You don't just sign someone because they're a striker. But that it's evident that Celtic lacked the strength and depth to cope with the demands of Champions League football and coming back to the demands of having to win every Scottish Premiership game. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the the phrase, if, it, if, it's, if it is a phrase, goalkeeper, left-back, striker. I've said those words in that order so many times um, on recent recordings, but certainly, you know, at the start of summer, you know, where we were still in that transfer window, because I think... Most folk, almost any Celtic supporter from the outside looking in, could see that those were the areas that we needed strengthening. Then you get to the close of the window. What's that? End of August, start of September. We've replaced various players or, or we've recruited in various positions, but not one goalie, not one left back, not one striker. Even just looking at the guys that were brought in, 
Odin Thiago home, midfield, Marco Tellio, winger, Yang, winger, uh, Louis Palmer, winger, Quan midfield, Mike Navrocki, Gustav Lagabelka, Nat Phillips, all central defenders, Bernardo, midfielder. No goalie, no left back, no striker. And that's why everyone was so upset uh, coming out the window. Um, and I don't feel it was an overreaction. And I don't, you know, I don't think people were out of order to to be thinking that's who we should have replaced. And I mean, what do you think? You know, I, I used the term there about the, t- the team or the board having spent money, but not effectively. Do you think, you know, do you think they've let Brendan Rodgers down a bit there? Because he's been hampered by that lack of strengthening in those three key positions. Do you think? The, sorry, do you think the team have let Brendan Rodgers down? Or the, board? the board, sorry. Do you think the board, board have let them down? Um, perhaps, because uh, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because the recruitment team identified targets. So, I mean, we use the goalkeeper situation, for example. Um, Dominic Livakovic was identified as a serious target that Celtic should be going for. I mean, inquiries were made, interest was there, they were monitoring his situation because they knew Fenerbahce were, were quite advanced um, with him and other clubs had um, had spoken to him as well. But when you look at the figures that Livakovic has gone for, £5.7 million, that's doable for Celtic. His wage is 40 grand a week. Perhaps Celtic would have had to make some... Uh, changes there. He might have had to come down on his wages there, his wage demands, but Celtic could offer it in other ways, like bonuses, Champions yeah. League bonus. We progress from the last to the last 16 in the Champions League, you get X amount. Celtic's Champions League bonuses are quite good, actually. So there would have, there could have been a way to incentivize a deal to bring him in. And did they do enough to try and approach the player, or did they maybe feel he was too far down the line with Fenerbahce? But it did stall. He did stall with Fenerbahce, um, and he didn't sign until the last few days of the window. Um, well, the 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 Scottish window. I know the Turkish window had a bit longer anyway, but yeah. So there's they there's certainly the recruitment team were identifying players, but uh, I guess the question could be was were they backed enough on the targets that they identified? And yeah, that that's a valid question and a valid argument to say that perhaps they weren't. Yeah, and I know you've made the point, and I, and I agree with your point on you don't just sign a goalie, a left back, a striker for the sake of it, just to tick a box and say, well, you wanted a striker, there's a striker. He's not very good, but he's a striker, you know that kind of thing. And I'm not suggesting that's what Celtic should have done, but I do feel it's become all the more galling, hasn't it, Anthony? When you when Celtic release their financial figures. And as a fan base, you see there's 70 million plus in the bank. So if Celtic were in a perilous financial situation and having to play safe, everyone would get on board with that and say, well, that's that's understandable. You need to cut your cloth accordingly. If you've got 70 million in the bank doing nothing, I, I've heard the term in the last couple of days, Celtic are a well-run business. They're not a particularly well-run football club because ultimately results are what a football club is, is judged on. And certainly in Europe, we're just not doing that. So, yeah, as I say, you know, let's not just sign players for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. And from the sounds of it, and, you know, from our previous chat as well, yep, Lavakovic was in the conversation in terms of a goalie. I believe I believe Matthias Fiskarden, the, the Bronby striker, was spoken about, potentially mm-hmm. approached in terms of a striker. And I've no doubt there was a couple of left-backs in the mix as well. But my own take on it, and it's, it's pure speculation because I don't know the finer detail, is that Celtic haven't been willing to push the boat out as you say, it might have they might have had to 
amend our wage structure to get Livakovic in as a goalie, maybe pay more than we should have to Bronby to get Chris Gardner in. And Celtic rarely do that. If ever, we don't push the boat out, we don't go the extra mile. If someone's playing hardball with Celtic, we generally walk away. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I would debate it's not the best negotiating technique. It's not. Sometimes it is, I guess. You don't get, you don't want to pay more than you should for a player that you don't uh, value as highly of, if you know what I mean. So uh, with Kvist Garden, he's a great example of that, actually, because um, Celtic did make inquiries um, and they did negotiate a little bit, but his club were wanting quite a lot more, um, nearly double what Celtic were valuing him at. So it's that kind of that kind of broke down um, fairly early on. It was never actually far on at all. And Celtic almost were, were saying, certainly what I was being told, um, was that, that they're not going to be getting a striker in um, before the end of the window. And uh, also, also with one source telling me that Lewis Palmer can also play up front. Mm. And I remember putting that out there was that Look, it's looking increasingly unlikely that Celtic will go back in for Kvistgarden. Um, They are unlikely to bring in a striker and uh, Lewis Palma can also play up front because that was um, what I was being told because that's what the feeling at the club was. I think since then it has become quite apparent that they need to, to bring in a striker. I th- I think I've always said you need like three, you need at least three, but perhaps four good strikers yeah. if you're going to be playing Champions League and Scottish Premiership, because you're going to be rotating a lot, you're going to be, you're going to have injuries, and you need to be able to have that same kind of quality going in. And it's such a shame it was a sh- for such a short period of time because Jackamakis was a good person, a good player to fill that void of Kyogo. Mm-hmm. Oh, is t- I actually like O. I think he brings in a lot of good qualities. Yep. But whether he's that man to play a lone striker role, I actually think O and Kyogo could link up really well together. And I feel they have done when they when they played together. That St. Johnston game away, uh, where they won it quite late on, uh, was a good example of that. Um, but whether O is the man to be the lone striker, he's still young, so Again, he's more of a project signing, but Celtic need ready-made players now. They need that for their squad, especially if they want to go and win this league, which has now become a title race, um, when perhaps at one point, I think Celtic were 10 points ahead at one point. Um, so it's not 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 just, to, not just to win the league this season, but also for next year, potentially in the Champions League, where there's going to be more games. And... Celtic got to think quite carefully now about. I think this, the type of player they can bring in, might have changed as well due to the current league position and their status in Europe. Because if you're, say, you're in Europe after Christmas, or even if you're not, if you're running away with the league, which Celtic perhaps could have been at at one point, you are almost well. You're guaranteed the Champions League next season. In the new format of the Champions League, which I've stressed many times, is really uh, a, a real growth potential for Celtic, um, both money-wise and football-wise. And it changes the dynamic of the players they could go for. And if players know that, look, I'm going to play 
the Scottish Premiership and Scottish Cup for the last five months, and then next season playing eight to ten Champions League games, mm-hmm. a fifth of my season in the Champions League, and going for the domestic honours as well. That's I think you'd be able to bring in a different type of player based on that. But because it's a title race and player Champions League status is not guaranteed next season, I think some players might think, well, let's see let's see where they are in the summer before I decide where I go. Yeah. And that and that's that's absolutely fair on a player who has no connection to Celtic or or whatever. It, it very much changes your your negotiating position. You know, whoever mm. makes those phone calls, I don't know if it's Michael Nicholson, if it's Brendan Rodgers himself, I don't know who makes the call. Uh, but when you're speaking to players or at least their agent, your sales pitch has changed. You know, you're absolutely right, Anthony. Whereas if you could guarantee those eight slash ten Champions League top level European games in the new format, that's a fairly easy sell. You know, you could mm-hmm. say to a young up and coming player, here's a great opportunity for you. You don't need to beat Celtic forever, but come for a couple of years. Enjoy the spotlight that this brings you. Enjoy the big nights at Celtic Park. You know, compete against the best, and then you'll move on with everyone's best wishes if we get the right offer for you. Now your position's changed, and as you rightly say, for the next few months, it's the the blood and thunder of the domestic scene. It's the the Scottish Premiership and it's the Scottish Cup. Far less exciting, far less exciting, and it's a it's definitely a harder thing to pitch. A, a really interesting point you make is about the fact that Celtic and any team competing in Europe should have three, maybe even four, tried and trusted centre-forward strikers. I'd say we've got one. Kyogo's a bona fide striker, and we know that on his day he can certainly do a, a brilliant job for Celtic up there. O's a project. I like him as well. I agree with you. I, like, I think he's got a lot of good attributes, but he's got a way to go. He's still a development player. Um, and then I, I really don't like the the suggestion that it's okay because Palma can play centre-forward, Dyson Maida can play centre-forward, yeah, but it's not their speciality. You know, mm-hmm. you, you could stick guys made it right back. He could do that as well. But he's just not very good at it, for example. I just don't like it. I don't like the, we've not signed a striker, so we'll just fudge a non-striker in there. And and that's a real issue. Well, we'll do, Anthony, we'll get back to some of the, the suggestions as to who Celtic may bring in just shortly. But I'd like to just cover off maybe some of the exits, first of all. Um, highest profile one right now, of course, is the, the chat that's just started doing the rounds today, Friday about Matt O'Reilly potentially being a target for Inter Milan. The talk is they want to take him in January on a loan signing with a view to making that permanent this summer. Have you guys picked up anything on that? Yeah, um, it was actually our story. Um, It was um, my colleague Lyle Thomas, um, who's got uh, good contacts there. And uh, he he was aware of their Inter Milan's interest. And we... Inter Milan being, I mean, a number of clubs. There's a lot of clubs uh, tracking Matt O'Reilly at the moment, and why wouldn't they be? This is a guy who was a star performer in the Champions League games for Celtic and has now become a, De- a Denmark international, um, starting games for Denmark. So he is, and you just watch him, and he each time he, he looks like he's learning and getting better. And He's a player I thought under Rodgers would thrive, and... Uh, just the type of uh, man management that, that Rogers has. He micromanages, he likes developing players, he likes really intelligent players, and Matt O'Reilly is very intelligent for his age. Yeah. Um, I likened the sort of relationship to perhaps um, Rogers and Stuart Armstrong, another player who thrived um, under Rogers in terms of development. But he's he's been brilliant, and there's no doubt there's 
lots of clubs tracking him. The thing is with Inter Milan, they think they well, they're thinking about making a move in January. So that's the difference. Whereas you've got clubs like Aston Villa, West Ham, Atletico Madrid, who've all sent scouts monitoring his situation. But Inter Milan see it as an opportunity. Well, we want to get him in now just so we've secured him. So that's that changes things a little bit. But Celtic in a very good position regarding Matt O'Reilly. He's just signed a new contract, a bumper contract at that. Uh, Celtic rejected £10 million from Leeds United um, in the last couple of days of the transfer window. Um, and that sort of sparked Celtic wanting to get him down on improved terms. Rodgers identified him as a, player, a key player for the squad. So they're in a strong position. There's no need to, I mean, when Leeds were coming in with £10 million bids, that this thought process was, certainly I, from the conversations I had, I don't think Celtic would have entertained anything under £15 million, but even £15 million probably wouldn't have done it. It would have had to be around £20 million to open that conversation, I think, yeah. anyway. And, I, and with a new contract, that's got to be the case again. The fact he signed a new contract... I was. I would reckon Celtic don't, wouldn't open the conversation until unless there was twenty million, maybe even up to twenty-five. Um, obviously, that changes as things go, as time moves on, and if the player starts trying to engineer a move, that might change things. If he downs tools, that might change things. So there's lots of lots of variables that can happen still to change that. And Juranovic is a good um, example of that, a player who perhaps went for less than he was valued at. Um, and Starfelt, of course, um, who could forget the Starfelt situation, went for um, just around four or five million. So it's not uh, well below what Celtic would have valued him at had he not been pushing to move away. Hmm. Um, so O'Reilly, I, I mean, I still think Celtic have a strong case for keeping him at the club. And perhaps the Champions League uh, situation will determine in the summer will determine whether he stays or goes. Um, so uh, uh, that's just—I mean, we've been we've been round this scenario plenty of times with key players um, at Celtic, haven't we? It's uh, as soon as someone starts doing really well, um, the clubs from the bigger leagues. Let's not suggest they're bigger clubs, but the clubs from the bigger leagues start to think. And it, Italian Italian clubs have got a good connection with Scottish clubs. They certainly they rate the league. They rate players that are doing well in the league. And they've had uh, Italian clubs have had good success out of um, players coming from Scotland. So um, it's even more understandable that Inter Milan are are looking to do something. Whether Celtic would entertain a loan right now. Um, with an obligation to buy, I'm not so sure. And I think if Celtic wanted to sell Matt O'Reilly, they'd want the Matt O'Reilly money straight away. Yeah, I think it'd be madness. I, I mean, the the numbers doing the rounds for Champions League um, participation in this new format next season, ballpark sixty million, something like that. So it would need for me, it would need to be crazy money in January. You know, I mean, twenty five million plus, and to even have a conversation with Inter Milan, Villa, whoever might be interested. And I just think, given the, the new contract he signed, the position we're in, I don't think Matt O'Reilly's the kind of guy that would leave mid-season. I think he's quite settled here. He enjoys Glasgow life. He seems to be a very balanced guy. But as you rightly say, Anthony, lots can change. And, you know, personal life can change. And 
who knows? You know, who knows what the situation might be. I really hope he doesn't move on because he's been so important to Celtic. He's added so much more to his game, particularly you know by way of goal return. And if Celtic are to retain the title, and, and very hopeful that'll be the case, Marley would be key to all of that. So here's hoping nothing <laughs> untoward kicks off in January. But we just need to see, as you see, a lot of things can happen that that leads to players moving on. And just on that, so whether it's the the players that are just in the door, and I'm thinking of guys like Lager Bielka, who's been talked about recently, or Burnaby, for example, who's who's been here a bit longer. There are guys on the fringes of Celtic's first team who have been talked about uh, being or Celtic being open to them moving on in January. Have you heard anything on that, on guys like Lager Bielka, Burnaby, or anyone else? Yeah, I think if the right offer came in for someone like Lager Bielka, they, they would perhaps look to um, it will open the discussion. Um, Bernabé as well. Um, he's got a lot of clubs in Italy and Argentina. His homeland, Argentina, looking at him. Um, he also his situation's a bit different. He he's got an Italian passport, so yeah. he can. That was also part of getting him the move to Celtic to um, increase his chances of a work permit. So he could easily move to Italy without any. EU sort of complicated that's not really complications but any delays or anything like that but I mean it's not it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going but Celtic want a left back and Greg Taylor is currently the number one left back so I think that tells its own story about where Burnaby fits in mm-hmm. um, also yeah with Lagabielka he just doesn't seem to be Brendan Rodgers' cup of tea at the moment Anyway, uh, ironically, the man who scored the winning goal for Celtic to win the first Champions League home game in a decade, um, then the next day, uh, reports in Scotland suggesting that he could, that Celtic would be open to selling him. I believe that is the case, that they'd be open to selling him, but doesn't necessarily mean they will sell him, and it would need to be um, for a decent fee, I guess, at least uh, recouping the money that they paid for him. But yeah, it doesn't seem to be in favour with Rodgers at the moment, but things can change. Who would have thought we'd be sitting here saying that Liam Scales is one of our best centre-backs? <laughs> so okay. it's I, I, I remember, I can't remember if it was this podcast, but I remember speaking about it, saying that Welsh and Liam Scales' futures were in doubt with the centre-back situation with the injury to Carter Vickers and Evrotsky were the reasons they were still at the club. Um, and that Aberdeen, if Liam Scales was available, Aberdeen wanted to sign him permanently. But Liam Scales was ended up not being available because Celtic needed him even just for numbers. But he turned into a player who just rose to the occasion and is doing. He does still have his limitations, but he's that's what you want to see from a fringe player. That is exactly what you want to see from a player who the fans don't really see as being in the Celtic squad uh, or being good enough for the Celtic squad. But he's he's proven that he can hack it and he can hack it in the Champions League. So, and he, he was doing it f- for Ireland as well internationally. So that's that's what can happen. I mean, that just shows that things can change. Lagabielka could come onto a game and things, things uh, become different. But Rodgers seems, something with Rodgers, he's questioning the mentality of these players. Um, quite a few times now. It's not just mm. been on one occasion. So for me, that suggests 
something else is something's going on there at the, in the training ground as well that he's seeing mentality wise and how players are applying themselves um with some players it's great like he, he speaks so highly of scales matt o'reilly maida like kyogo the likes but there's certain times where he's played perhaps uh more fringe players in this in the side and then he questions the mentality of the team mm. so that's to me suggests he's not seeing it in training either because if he was he'd be questioning perhaps the the roles are playing are, is it confidence is it not enough game time that kind of thing but he's when when he's been questioning their mentality i think it's overall not just in in the matches they're playing yeah and and i think liam skills is such a a good example of all of that because i like liam skills i like him because i think he's a very honest player and i think he's currently maximizing on his own talents limited as they may be mike navrocki might have a better general skill set than Liam Scales, maybe even Lager Belka does. I think Liam Scales is getting the absolute max out of what he's got, and I think you've got to admire that. But aside from that, I actually really admire his his mental strength, his mental character. He he was pitched in, what was the game? Was it St. Johnson, first of all, and then the Rangers game the following week, and the rest is history. Before you know it, he's an Irish international, he's a <laughs> Champions League footballer. And if Liam Scales does move on, it's, it's not to Aberdeen now. His stock mm-hmm. has risen, and you know he can maybe pick from a few more clubs than they might have been able to do so previously. But there was re- real pressure on Liam Scales' shoulders. I was at the St. Johnson game where I think Stevie May gave him a hard time and a few other guys, and you're thinking, this cannot be the answer. And there was a real tension in the stands every time he got on the ball. And he's just had to to ride that out, and he's done so. And he's come through so many games. I think he's now played something like 18, 19 games on the bounce at Celtic, and nobody would have predicted that. Now, I'm not sure if Liam Scales is the future of Celtic, but what he is, is a really good example to guys like Lager Bielka, to guys like Odin Tiago Holm, whoever it might be that finds himself on the sidelines just now, to say, do you know what, when you do get your chance, this is the kind of approach you need to take to it, and then it's over to you to to see what works out. So all credit to Liam Scales, not sure what the future holds, but he's done what he's had to do in the meantime. And, and uh, sorry, another example of that was Greg Taylor last season. Mm. Burnaby was brought in to be the left back under Ange, yeah. and uh, the, the sort of European style left back. But Greg Taylor last season was just incredible, and whether it's the change of tactics, the change of style, um, it's just not working out for him this season. Yeah. And who knows? He might he might have just peaked last season, and Celtic got the best out of him then because he was so good. Even Champions League games, he was really good, um, and and played really well for Scotland actually last last season's games but this season I think is when he was playing for Scotland I think a lot of people started to realise his his limitations he, he certainly had a good couple of seasons under Ange didn't he maybe not, not immediately under Ange but very quickly it became apparent that Greg Taylor could fit within that system and I suppose it's it's fair to defend Greg Taylor he's getting a hard time just now and we, we've spoken quite critically of him because he's struggling at the moment but actually Celtic have tried several times to replace him. I think Ball and Goalie came in. We all remember that guy. Uh, Burnaby, as you mentioned. And he's seen these guys off. And it's not Greg Taylor's fault that he's currently the best left back at Celtic. You know, that's that's the way the... That's down to the recruitment team and the, the squad management, whoever kind of deals with ins and outs and all that stuff. So Greg Taylor can only do what he can do as well. Um, he is struggling for form at this time, but he's shown that he also has a mental resilience. And again, that's the message to other guys. I mean... You talk about sliding doors, Anthony, and, and, and who knows what's around the corner for some of these guys. I'm reading between the lines. You're telling me there's, there's still a chance for Quan, isn't there? 
I have no idea why Celtic signed Quan, even as a project signing. He was playing in, um, like, this is no disrespect to him, but uh, he was playing in the second division of uh, Korean football. Yeah. Why not wait? I, d- I don't think Celtic are in that rush to own the market there. Mm-hmm. Or that I don't think there's enough competition in the market there to not let him get into the K League first and mm-hmm. see if he starts doing well in the K League. Because I don't. What what's what's he doing right now? What, what how is he progressing his game at Celtic right now? What 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 is, is the benefit of Quan being at Celtic? Yeah, it's just it was such a strange signing at the time. Um, unless they thought he was going to be some kind of wonder kid that was going to just break into the first team. But as a project signing, I still thought that was quite a weird one because why not wait until he's in the top league in his country? Yeah, It's not that competitive a market yet for European uh, clubs. It's not like they're going to be fighting off Atletico Madrid and Barcelona um, for someone who's showing promise in the K-League. They wait until a European club takes a chance on them and then sign them. So it's, yeah, a strange one. But he's still very young. um, And who knows what could happen. I I never like saying definitively that a player is not going to do well or whatever, because we've seen too many times players just suddenly becoming amazing. Tom Rogic, for example, Mm. where his first few seasons at Celtic, people probably said the same thing. What was the point in signing him? Yeah. But he at least went on out on loan and did loan spells and, and came back. And then it was really under Ronnie Dyla that he managed. For, one of, I would always say, Ronnie Dyla's legacies were Tom Rogic and Kieran Tierney. So um, you never know with players. But at the moment, Quan does look a very strange signing. And actually, I would, I would still, it's not even at the moment, I think, Quan was a strange signing because they could have waited until he was um, doing well in the K League and then, and yeah. then get him. It, it, it's such a strange signing because at the moment I would argue he's not he's not even living the life of a footballer. He's living the life of a guy who goes and trains and goes home and trains and goes home and that's it. He found himself bizarrely on the bench against Hearts there last weekend, didn't he? And that was the first day anyone had seen him in a matchday squad, I think, since the, you know the signing in the summer. And it is so puzzling. And, and what adds to the, the intrigue is that Quan himself arrived and, and you'll have seen the quotes at the time where he basically said words to the effect of, I'm going to be the best midfielder in the Scottish League and then I'm going to go down and do it in the English League as well. It was very... Now, I don't know if that was a wee bit lost in translation, but that was a gist of, of where he was at. And I was okay with it. Be mm-hmm. confident in yourself, believe in yourself, back yourself. But clearly Brendan Rodgers and others have seen or not seen something from him because he said... I was going to say so little game time. He had, he said zero competitive minutes. So such a puzzling one, and we'll just need to watch that space. Um, let's look at what a lot of folk will be tuning in for, Anthony, in terms of what what might be coming in the door at Celtic uh, in January. Now people will argue we need three, four, five new signings. There was some rumours that there was a an exec club type dinner or lunch there a few days ago, and you know whether it was Brendan Rodgers or Peter Law or Michael Nicholson, but someday there was a bit of a QA and somebody says we're targeting four guys. We hope to get at least two of them. Not sure how true that may or may not have been. Um, but let's look at the kind of headlines. So you and I have mentioned goalkeeper, left back, striker, and it seems that there are some rumors in those various areas. So 
let's look at the striker first. Anyone doing the rounds? I've, I've seen the guy Silva Wolves mentioned. I don't know if there's anything in that, but are you hearing anything down that road? Yeah, well, not not specifically on Silva, but he's another player who's been linked um, by other media outlets. And it wouldn't be a surprise to say, especially the way we've been talking today, that Celtic need to look at getting a striker in. Um, it's a player they didn't, it's a position they weren't able to sign in the summer. So whether they go for Silva or whether they go for other players, I, th I think um, it's definitely some a position we perhaps will see Celtic strengthen in in January, um, not necessarily waiting until the summer. Um, I think left back and striker is probably the two priorities going into this um, window. I think they're probably content with the goalkeeping situation right now, um, especially seeing as there's no European football after Christmas. I think they're okay with Joe Hart uh, for now. And yes, goalkeeping position was uh, something that they were looking to strengthen in the summer, as we all know, but they weren't able to get the, the targets that they wanted to, and then they were fairly content. And there was also reasons with uh, Bain, for example, being part of the homegrown uh, status and filling that quota as well. So they weren't going to have four goalkeepers and Seagrist was not willing to move. So that is also a major reason why Celtic did not go on to sign a goalkeeper that uh, late in the window. But the goalkeeping situation is needs to be addressed. Is it because Joe Hart is not getting any younger? You can start to see um, faults in his game. Perhaps he's not able to perform at the highest level, at the level he used to perform at, um, perhaps consistently enough. He still has amazing games sometimes. He still shows his worth. He still shows his quality. Still shows why he was England's number one. He still shows why he was Man City goalkeeper when they won the league. Um, so it's just not enough anymore, though. Yeah. And uh, particularly in Europe, I think we saw that quite in quite a few of the matches. But um, there's all he, he does perform well in quite big games still. And it's just like I said, it's just becoming more and more inconsistent. So Celtic need to address that. Um, that'll probably be more of a long-term signing, I think. I, I'd be, unless they can get a target that they really want in January, I think mm. goalkeeper might be signed in in, in the summer. Um, but in terms of left-back and striker, I think it would be quite poor of Celtic's recruitment if they did not end this January transfer window with a left-back and a striker. Yeah, I, I think if you told me, Anthony, that they would get a left-back and a striker but no goalie, I could make my peace with that, absolutely. I think in terms of Joe Hart, he, he's been great for Celtic. Celtic have been great for him, you know, new lease of life, you know, when he thought he was maybe going to hang up the gloves. He was phenomenal against Feyenoord, for example, and he's had some big, big games for Celtic. And I do think he's capable of seeing out the season. And at that point, it's the natural break point. And he moves on and, and, and we all wish him the best. Uh, Benji Segrist, he's got the best job in football. 15 grand a week, apparently. Sits on the bench sometimes, not all the time. European travel, stays in top hotels, best sports signs, cushy number. But we need to move these guys on. These guys and others are just picking up money uh, and not giving Celtic anything in return. There is a goalie that we've been linked with. So Andre Lunin, he's the, the backup goalie at Real Madrid. I think he's a third choice goalie. Madrid. He's 24. He's a Ukrainian. 
I think him and Kepa are the backup goalies to Courtois, but Courtois has picked up a longer-term injury. And at the moment, uh, Carlo Ancelotti's got a call to make whether to go with Kepa or Lunin. Have you heard anything about guys like him or, or others that might be on the radar? Yeah, I think those are the type of goalkeeper Celtic should be looking at. Looking at perhaps third choice, second choice at the elite clubs. So I think even Kelleher was linked yeah. at Liverpool. Um, that is someone Celtic were looking at and per- perhaps might still do. But maybe not for this season because I think Kelleher might be called upon or needed at least um, for Liverpool this season. Um, so, yeah, it's they, they definitely need a long-term solution, uh, a long-term number one uh, brought in by the summer. So, well, brought in in the summer by the end of next transfer window, the August transfer window. So it's, yeah, I I, I agree in terms of, like I was saying before, I, I, these these are the types, the, these names that are being linked are the types of goalkeepers that Celtic should be going for. People with real pedigree who are going to come in and be the number one, be good enough for the Champions League and are good enough for European football anyway and just take that position and make it their own. Celtic can't have a goalkeeper of the same kind of quality as perhaps Bain and Segrist, and they're all battling for it. Celtic need someone who is a top top quality, but um, and perhaps that is the that does seem to be the way they're looking at it, doesn't it? The a, a maybe second or third choice at one of the elite clubs. Yeah, I think Kelleher was a good example because he and many other goalies of his ilk. Um, they're good with the ball at their feet. And Celtic play in such a way that we want to start our attacks from the back, get out your feet quickly, zip it out to your right and left back or your centre halves, or even into the midfield from the goalie position and kick off your attacks from there. Joe Hart is fine. I mean, he looks a wee bit awkward on the ball, doesn't he? Um, but if he's only making 10 and 12-yard passes, that's okay. But I think at the moment, Joe Hart's there for his more traditional goalkeeping assets, you know, shot stopping and handling and that kind of thing. You could debate that he's not coming off his line much anymore, if he ever did. Um, but certainly moving forward, whoever Celtic go for, they need to have that full full skill set, don't they? You know, the, the ball at the feet is so important. And Kelleher, yep, I've heard his name mentioned, that would tick the box. I don't know much about Lunin at Real Madrid, but I would anticipate that if you're there at all, you must have something about you. So we'll see where we go. In terms of left-back, there is a name doing the rounds. Um I think just in the last kind of week or so, Thiago Arruja, eh, a 24-year-old left-back from Portugal. He's been in the Benfica Academy, you know, where Jota was and where Duke that we're familiar with was. And he's now at Estoril uh, in Portugal. By all accounts, they've put quite a hefty sell-on fee, as Benfica tend to do. But anything to that, Anthony, him or, or anyone else at left-back? Yeah, I think he is some, he's a name out there that Celtic are quite keen on. And not just someone who they've been monitoring, but someone who, through intermediaries, I understand, uh, have made inquiries about. So I think, um, as Stephen McGowan at the Daily Mail, um, who has great um, Celtic sources as well, and uh, he pointed out that, well, he claimed that uh, it's a very strong possibility um, Tiago Araujo would uh, be coming to Celtic, so um, I I believe that also to be the case. Not not necessarily a strong possibility, but I believe that Celtic have been making fairly um, strong inquiries about him, and mm-hmm. there's definitely 
more substance to uh, this name being linked with Celtic. And um, yeah, it's just, he seems to be, uh, I mean, I don't know too much about him. And again, I I always remember when I, was, I always like to tell people, like, I'm not necessarily a football man. I do the news. I, could, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you too much about what a player is like and that kind of thing. I can only tell you what people tell me about him. And I think he's got a bit more of a physique than Greg Taylor and Burnaby. Um, taller, but also a bit uh, bigger built, but can also play left wing, so mm. he can be an attacking fullback. And well, actually, I think he's he's been playing left wing more, from what I understand. And he, he can also felt like he's very naturally a left wing back or a left back as well. So, um, yeah, I th- I think we could possibly see a bid going in next month. It wouldn't surprise me if that's the case, but there's still a few, what, 10 or so days before the, the end of the window and, no, sorry, before the start of the window. So other players could come available, other options could come. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will all depend on a number of things. I, I don't like to speculate at the best of times, but I definitely don't like to speculate before a, a window's even open um, on these things. But it wouldn't surprise me if Celtic put a bid in uh, yep. for Tiago Araujo. Got you. So Thiago Arujo definitely signing first week in January. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I think you mentioned the physicality, and I think that's important because Brendan Rodgers has said just that he wants more of a physical presence. Greg Taylor, for all the ability he has and, and whatever he's done at Celtic, he's never going to be that guy. You know, it just it doesn't have that physical stature. Burnaby is the same, and I think Brendan Rodgers is looking just to to shore up the team with just a, a bit more physicality across the board. I believe they're just six foot one, and I think that would certainly, you know, fit the bill in there. Um, a lot of folks say as well, Brendan Rodgers traditionally likes a, a more powerful centre-forward. Now, he'd be spoiled at the time, didn't he? He'd, he'd uh, Dembele and Edward at different times to call upon. Less so at Leicester, he'd Jamie Vardy, but Jamie Vardy's quite a unique striker. He's a mm. pretty special player at that level, and, and you're not going to replace him. But I do wonder if he's going to look to bring more power into the team, whether it is at centre-forward, at left-back, even at goalkeeper. Um, there is an attacking midfielder that's been linked. To, I think it's just a new rumour, Anthony. Again, not sure if there's anything to it. Romeo Amani, 20-year-old attacking midfielder. He's playing at Haken over in Sweden, but he's from the, the Ivory Coast. I don't know much of anything about him beyond those headlines. Is, is that someone you're aware of? And do you think Celtic needs somebody in that number 10 position? Not someone I'm aware of, um, to be completely honest. And again, it's before the transfer window. So when it's when it's not the transfer window, I very rarely check in on things like that. Or actually, even uh, in terms of sources, don't really give out too much unless it's players who are looking to move themselves. Um, but yeah, it's certainly one I'll be checking out. But again, it's not... I don't think it's a priority position for Celtic right now, attacking midfielder. I think they've mm-hmm. got plenty of them. But I guess if perhaps like Turnbull was to go and if something changes in the Matt O'Reilly situation, yep. that might um, affect where they dip their toes into the market on that kind of position. But yeah, I mean, lots of names before the window even opens get thrown about and then nothing nothing materialises. But that's all usually because it's not that that's rubbish. It's just usually because Celtic people know that Celtic have been tracking this player. Yeah. Um, or they've sent scouts to watch this player. 
And so it quite often becomes, well, uh, there is interest there, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to put in a serious bid in January. Yeah, I think what I need to do is give you a bell on the first, Anthony. We'll we'll get a chat once the window opens and it it all starts to light up. Um, But you're right, we're, we're closing in on that window. And I suppose the reality for Celtic is that guys like David Turnbull uh, and Joe Hart, they're both in the last six months, give or take, of their deal. They could effectively make their call at the start of January. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if David Turnbull did announce that he was maybe heading down to the Championship or even you know trying something in Europe, whatever it might be. Um, I think that Phillips will return to Liverpool. It's not quite worked out. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, but Bernardo. Bernardo's here on loan with a, an option to buy. It, it, it's quite peculiar, his situation, isn't it? He seems to play in the Champions League, but not much domestically. And the suggestion is Celtic would need to pay somewhere between six and seven million for him. And based on what I've seen, and he's done okay, I'm not sure if that represents true value for a guy like that. So do you see guys like him and Phillips potentially seeing out their time and moving on? Yeah, well, Phillips was just a short-term deal. It was almost the an emergency. Five-month loan um, was what it was. Um, he, My understanding is that he's expected to to go back to Liverpool and Liverpool are going to try and find him another club in the championship. So, um, yeah, I think his situation is very much all but sorted out. Uh, that I mean, Celtic brought him in because Stephen Welsh, Navrotsky, Carter Vickers and Kobayashi were all injured. Four out of the six centre-backs that they had at the club were, were injured. So they needed more strength and depth. He was in the like last few days of the window. He was someone who's played Champions League football before at Liverpool, picking up a decent wage. Um, it was worth bringing him in. It hasn't worked out for him. I don't think he's looked up to the standard that Celtic need from a defender, um, a centre-back. So uh, it's, it's just the way it is. But luckily uh, for all parties that they were not tied into anything further than the five months. So I think he will be, he'll be leaving and uh, Liverpool will probably try to find him another club. Yeah. Um, and Bernardo, would you pay the money for him? Uh, I think you need a good, not a good six months out of him. Uh, more than what we've seen so far. Yeah. He looks, but he looks like a player um, at times. It just, we just haven't seen him enough. As he looks capable, but is it worth spending six or seven million on if you're going to also keep the likes of Matt O'Reilly? If Hitati is still going to be there, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I I think the jury's still out on Bernardo from both, but probably Bernardo's perspective and Celtic's perspective. Yeah, and and just to put you on the spot as such in terms of ins and outs, I think. Brendan Rodgers has made no secret of the fact that he needs to trim the squad. I think he was quoted as saying it's a 32-man squad, which is outrageous. You know, you, you just can't manage that that number. So I think there are going to be a number of exits, but ultimately, and we can maybe leave the goalie position aside, do you think Celtic will get the, the priority positions covered by the end of January? If you're leaving goalkeeper out of it, yeah, as in, I think priority positions are left back in strikers, and I think yeah. I think they'll They'll get that um, by the end of January, yeah. Whether the striker ends up being someone who is not long-term, for example. I think left-back, they would probably want someone, if, especially if Bernabeu is potentially leaving, they would want to have 
a left back in who's a permanent signing. The striker wouldn't necessarily surprise me if that was a loan. Um, if they weren't able to get their main targets for mm. the striker position, they might just want to strengthen that position by to win the title, to help them, to make sure they're not caught short if Kyogo and O are injured. Um, I th- that could also be a loan, but I think their priority is definitely to try and get a, a permanent uh, left back and striker. Yeah, I wonder if they'll sign a striker, but say that listen, he can also play left back, so don't worry about it. We've not, we've not bought a bona fide left back, but this guy can do the job of both. We'll need to see. Has there ever been a striker who can also play left back? I'm trying to think. We might just be about Certainly. to see it. <laughs> um, that aside, Anthony, just in terms of um, transfer stuff, so hopefully you and I can catch up maybe around about a month from now. We'll, we'll get a further chat at the end of January, start of February, and we can review the, the business that Celtic have done or not done. But we'll see how that goes. But that aside, um, just very generally speaking, do you think we'll see Brendan Rodgers now kick on? He's, he's come through a difficult spell. We've struggled for consistency. Celtic haven't put three wins together at any point across the 25, 26 games we've played so far. We're about to enter that crucial, you know, kind of Christmas, New Year period before the winter break. But over the piece, do you think Brendan Rodgers and whoever he gets in January will have enough to get Celtic over the line title-wise? I think he should have enough. I think there's enough already there in that squad that they've got and having Brendan Rodgers as manager. we can't. Yes, there's been quite an underwhelming start and uh, something has looked a bit off. But this is what Celtic are paying big money for Brendan Rodgers for. He's meant to be one of the top coaches, and he sees himself as one of the top coaches in the world. Um, this is He's going to have to earn his, his money big time. And this is a real challenge for him, actually, um, going into the derby, then going into the winter break, going into the Asian Cup as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Celtic should have enough whether they do is going to be up to how Brendan Rodgers the board the recruitment everything uh pans out and I'm not just talking on the field I mean like we're talking about the Green Brigade being banned or that kind of situation it's just caused more unrest and more hassle and brought more attention on the club than perhaps needed to be yeah so it's I think Rodgers was calling for unity in his press conference um, earlier today and uh, ahead of the the Livingston game. But that that what he's meaning there is the whole club, the fans, the board, everyone needs to be pulling in the the same direction. And you can't always get that at football clubs. I get that. But Mm. Celtic were blessed with that for two seasons under Ange. Yeah, everyone was pulling in the same direction. Everyone bought into what Ange was doing. He was almost like a messiah figure. And and, and Ro- to be fair, Rodgers was in his first season at Celtic as well. Yeah. But um, he's got to sort of earn that respect back uh, from the people who were saying, well, what what are you what have you come back for? Not the people that are doubting. I don't think many people doubt his abilities, but people <clears throat> doubt his motive and reasoning for coming back. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it's at. And I think... It was always going to be given maybe less goodwill than than any other new manager might have been given the the way that he left last time out. And I think that's proved to be the case. He's had a couple of bumps in the road at this moment in time and people have been very quick to jump on. I'm actually surprised at the 
the calls, you know, for him to be sacked, that he's not the right man for the job. And maybe it's the minorities. You know, sometimes I go on Twitter and believe that's real life. <laughs> Uh, and maybe that's that's a fault on me. But there's no doubt there's been a, a disconnect across the club, whether it's been the ongoing Green Brigade you know, club battle, um, maybe some disconnect between Rodgers and the, the board, all these kind of things. And I can understand that call for unity. I think that's what we need. You know, any club divided um, is going to struggle. You're not going to be successful longer term if that's your approach. So I'd like to think maybe, you know, the Green Brigade getting back in and a few other things, a strong January window, might just start to repair some relations across the board and, and hopefully Celtic can kick on from there. Just just any final comments, Anthony, from um from yourself in terms of what you what you expect from this January transfer under. We've all seen how Celtic operate at different times. Sometimes it works well, sometimes not so much. And I'd argue the summer there was one of the poorest in recent times. But what are you expecting to see just as we're starting to close out this episode? I'm expecting at least a couple of ready-made Starting signings, um, I think one will come in the form of a left back. Um, the other will be competition for the strikers. Um, and I think there'll be quite a few outgoings, quite a few, whether that's even just loans on some of the projects, uh, but also they might have offers come in for the likes of Bernabeu, Lagerbielka. And I do think they might be tested on... Matt O'Reilly and maybe even Hitati. And that might prove to be quite a test. So we'll it'll be interesting to see how that develops because um yeah, it, two prized assets on both on um long-term contracts. I think uh, there's a lot of interest in both of those players, and whether that interest is acted upon in January. While there's the uncertainty for Celtic at the moment of promising these players Champions League football next season, and whether that might be an influence as well, so let's let's see um, how that develops. But yeah, I think left back striker, plenty of outgoings, quite a few away on loan of the projects, and I'm expecting a test on uh, O'Reilly or Hatate or both. Yeah, do you know, you're going to have me stressing over my Christmas dinner, Anthony, at the, at the prospect of Matt O'Reilly leaving mid-season, and Rayo Hitati, a player I love, and I, and I hope he's back sometime soon. Anthony, as always, it's just a, a big thank you for myself. It's always great to catch up on the, the various comings and goings. Hopefully Celtic are in decent shape by the time the, the January window opens, and hopefully we're even, even better shape by the close of that. As I said, it'd be great to catch up with you then. But in the meantime, Anthony, have a great Christmas, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Hope everyone else has a good Christmas and New Year. Podcast Network.